When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, I'm Anne McElvoy, and you're listening to The Economist Asks. This week, our guest is a man who's been modestly described as the hottest thinker in the world. We're asking Nassim Nicholas Taleb, would having more at stake make our leaders better? Our elected representatives make decisions that shape the futures of millions, but often barely touch their own lives. After changing history, many of them are free to retire or head to the golf course. America's interest in security and America's belief in liberty both lead in the same direction, to a free and peaceful Iraq. The British people have voted to leave the European Union and their will must be respected. And as such, I think the country requires fresh leadership to take it in this direction. Illegal immigration, important. We're going to build the wall, okay, believe me. We're going to build the wall. Nassim Nicholas Taleb is a former trader, now distinguished professor of risk engineering at New York University and author of many best-selling books about risk and randomness. In his new book, Skin in the Game, he argues that leaders, policymakers and thinkers have been led astray because they face no consequences when they get things wrong. So, Nassim, why is it so important to have skin in the game? And you're an academic. I guess you could say the whole academic world is predicated on understanding things without uh, you know, necessarily being directly involved. Actually, it's, it's quite a bit of a problem in academia because the branches in academia become eco-chambers and uh, completely divorced from reality when you don't have uh, contact with the real world via skin in the game. But, but let me talk in general why it's a small thing. This has held, I'm not saying anything particularly new, I'm just revealing a property that has been holding uh, since civilization started. We know from the Hammurabi Code that uh, architects could not just put a structure and walk away from the consequences of the structure collapsing. Therefore, they could not hide risks in the foundations where risks is easiest to hide. When I was a trader, I knew how to play metrics because if the portfolio is not mine, I could make it look like having impeccable properties. And, and of course, the problem is that this comes with a de a delayed blow-ups. They produce steady gains, and then once in a while you have a big loss, but you're far away when the big loss happens. Or at least you're not penalized because you don't pay for losses, so you collect a few bonuses. And politicians also play the same game. I mean, they leave office. You know, They can load the system with debt, which causes usually delayed blow-ups, and leave office on an excellent note. Hey, look, I increased GDP. You have jobs. And then, of course, as the French say, after me, après moi, but is that, hasn't that always been the case? Perhaps there's more at stake now in complex financial systems that lead up to something like the 2007-8 crash, although another huge one less than a century before. 
So what has really changed? I mean, why do we need more skin in the game okay, now? So, you know, we need more skin in the game for several reasons. Um, it, it, modernity can only function if you have accountability. If you don't have that system, then someone can game it. And, and let me explain. Let's talk about military decision making. Okay, In the past, the very recent past, people who wanted war had to be involved in war. And just like uh, drivers, bad drivers, if you're a reckless driver, you inflict risk on others, but you're first to die if there's a problem. You see? It's the same thing. So you, you have warmonger, a ratio of war warmongers, but they took risks, so therefore that ratio could not rise enormously because of that constraint, you see? So what has happened is decision makers sitting in think tanks causing invasions, wars, and because they're not accountable, they cause regime change. Well, how, they do how, it again. Let, let's, let, let's unpack this. I mean, I've been a political journalist for the best part of 20 years, and I've covered quite a lot of wars. I understand the sense and the frustration that drives what you say, and I recognize quite a lot of it as true. You can sponsor the big invasion. You can come up with the big policy innovation that turns out to cost millions or sometimes hundreds of millions, and it doesn't work, and you, you waltz off uh, to, to your well-funded retirement. What would skin in the game look like for politicians? What would you no, do? No, no, I instance? would only build a structure. That's the, point. the point is not to answer the, the, you know, a specific problem with a specific solution, but to look at what structure would allow the system to function properly. Okay? A system that functions properly is a system where restaurant owners are not judged by other restaurant owners, but judged by clients. Well, they and are, aren't they? I mean, they are. So that's why systems, this is why we don't have... Exactly, online. exactly. Mm-hmm. So so how the system uh, works from... Oh, uh, there's better quality reviews, just to take that example, than something written by a food expert. I mean, on your theory, necessarily they are, but I'm not sure that they are. No, no, but the, the system, actually, I mean, let me give you an irony. A friend of mine in the restaurant business showed me what happens when, when you have awards. And he says awards are given by other restaurateurs or professionals, but not by, by people who eat there. And typically, the rest, you have the awards granted, and then you have the six months later the event, the ceremony. And typically, most restaurants are bust before the ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> you see, that got the awards. So, so just to tell you that you cannot have academics judge other academics without some contact with reality. So l- let's work backwards and look at what I call calibrated jobs. A calibrated job, a plumber cannot be a fraud, you see. You have, of course, uh, statistically some incompetent plumbers, but, but typically a plumber is a good plumber. I mean, you can figure out if a plumber is a good plumber. But there are areas where the competence is harder to guess. And in the black swan, I have a, what I call the tableau of things where you have four, four experts. What, what has happened over time is these four experts are commanding more and more, you see. Who's top of your power. hit list of, of experts? Uh, four experts. Uh, well, who's top of the sort of guilt list? that you, Person? Yeah, well, right. no, Thomas types Friedman, of jobs. for example. Yeah. Thomas Friedman, he does not know anything about anything, for example. And he, uh, He's the causes, New, York, New York, yeah. York Times writer and, and, and author. That's, yeah, that's, for example, yeah. he calls the war of Iraq, He the regime change. The, the, these guys, there's another fellow into regime change, or the neocons, for example. Isn't that just and, your preference that you don't like or concluded that this kind of intervention doesn't work, and so you therefore tilt at the no, no, expertise no, 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 of someone no, who doesn't agree no, with you. No, because I have, from the beginning, installed the moral rule is that you don't talk about anything unless you have something to risk. Otherwise, you don't you don't cause uh, decision-making. So, for example, uh, there's some kind of moral hygiene that I 
suggest people should be having is that you don't have an action for which the consequences are borne by other people. What, what, what do you have to risk? Myself? Hmm. I have uh, What's the, the practically, the practically, there's not, nothing. For example, I would never, uh, being morally calibrated, like a butcher is morally calibrated, he eats his own meat, <laughs> you see. So I myself, for example, would never tell you what to do with your money. I would tell you what I've done with mine. I would never manage your money without having more to lose by having my own money in the same position. For example, hedge fund managers, for or I mean, as much as I dislike bankers because there's a lot of rent-seeking in banking, hedge fund managers typically have half their money in the fund. So they lose more in proportion of the net worth when they make a mistake than any of their clients. Now, let's look in the past. In the past, people who were prominent in society were the risk takers. Not the Very rarely in history have you had the non-risk takers command such a power. So what has happened is more and more GDP now is owned to government. And maybe five to 10 times what we had 100 years ago. But then the skin in the game argument yes. and the risk argument seem to pull against each other, don't they? Because if, I, if you want more risk taking in society to, to drive better outcomes, you also then have to allow that some of that risk is not going not, to not come true. off. No, 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 no. The distribution risk taking would be calibrated differently. There's one point that some people have raised against uh, skin the game, saying that, hey, we improved a lot by removing unlimited liability. But skin in the game doesn't mean unlimited liability. Skin in the game means some kind of liability to act both as a deterrent and a filter. And but the when, filter we, when is, I asked you about Iraq, a war, yes, a, you yes. know, a contentious war, where I suspect we would have probably approached it from, yes. know, I, I've been on the ground in wars and was thought liberal intervention, broadly a good idea, I don't think you do. You then said, well, you know, you don't like people who've made a journalist, you know, who've argued for it. You don't like politicians who don't have skin in the game there. I still am wondering what the consequence would look like. It, it can't just be let's build systems that have skin in the game. There would have to be consequence. Could you give me an example of what that might look like in practice? Practice, I'm saying, let's be more isolationist. Let people deal with their own business. You know, so it's an uh, anti-intervention uh, Exactly, argument. with the verbiage. Yeah. Yes, anti-interventionist approach comes out of it, except if someone aggresses you. Someone attacks you directly, you see. But Or if you want to be an interventionist, this, then go settle in Iraq if the thing fails. It's morally wrong to be an interventionist while sitting in the suburbs of Washington, D.C., writing, uh, you know, thing that brought government into action without How paying the price. How could it be morally wrong to simply take a different view, whether it's There's, It's, a diff- it's not a view. You're causing harm. It is morally wrong to cause harm without paying the consequences. If you don't, you allow harm to occur, and then you can sit in your Washington suburb feeling smug. Why is that better morally? No, the, the point is, if you use that argument, hey, you know, let's save the world, we're saving the world, that argument is the typical argument used by charlatans. Oh, if we don't do that, look what would happen. This is, uh, and actually I cover quite a bit of uh, what I call charlatans in the book with virtue signaling, so you can lend yourself. But what has happened is a rotten system where decision makers are not the one who pay for the consequences. And this cannot continue in that shape for long because systems blow up when you don't have accountability. Let's uh, turn to some of your more amusing turns of phrase and, and uh, some which are actually quite harsh. You talk about micro-bullshitters and macro-bullshitters, just so I know, just in case I 
might unfortunately fall into this category, you know, which is which and how... Yes, okay. Uh, in, how uh, will we tell it the is very, it's, it's practically impossible to micro-bullshit micro for a long time because you do it, uh, in other words, it's like decisions that you have to make repeatedly. Give me an example and of micro-bullshit. Micro-bullshit is someone who's predicting the, the weather, okay? The micro-bullshitter cannot be operate for too long, someone randomizing, because very quickly there's something called a lot of large numbers would catch them. They're making a lot of small little predictions that, that will eventually um, lead to you know, a track record that, that's wrong. But if you make a micro bullshit, you don't see the consequences. You don't see what happened. And I keep talking about the economy, like, say, Mr. Paul Krugman. He's a perfect micro bullshitter. He's practically wrong on everything, including his technical That's just word. your judgment on Paul Krugman, like yeah. it was earlier on Thomas Friedman. Yes, and it might yes. well be yeah, on, on exactly. me or half yes. of my colleagues on other matters. Yes. I'm not clear whether this is a convenient taxonomy for you to just no, say it's that because, you're right. Because, I don't know, the point, no, the point is he was wrong on so many things. He, Have you been but wrong he continues, on things as well? Sorry? But you, but I pay wrong. the price. I, usually, I pay the price when I'm wrong. So if I'm wrong, I'd be bust now if I'm uh, chronically wrong, all right? So th and that's the idea of skin in the game. But that's reductive to money and economic value. The only way we can but there, there are other tell that you're wrong is because you'd lose money. No, I, I would not open my mouth on things that don't, or if I do it, then then I'm not following the principle of skin in the game. And I, don't, I think that I've, I've been okay in, in that sense and being morally calibrated and not making pronouncement on things for which I don't pay a price. You have become famous, if not notorious, for some rather public feuds with other academics. I'm thinking about Stephen Pinker here. What is it specifically about Stephen Pinker that gets your goat? He's pro-enlightenment, his new That's, book okay. says. I, um, Progress is a good thing. Uh, there yeah, seems to be I, something that, about the way that he argues that irks you. What is it? No, no. It, it all started with uh, his previous book on violence uh, having declined, I sort of raised some uh, severe statistical mistakes he made in a book, inaccuracies in interpreting statements by Richardson and, and another academic, and other, uh, who, someone who did research. And I wrote academic papers on it, and he has not responded to academic papers I've written on it in statistical channels. But wasn't that also because and, you called him a bullshitter and people sort of then don't, you know, they don't respond well, I mean, the to, point is, the point is, the point is, I am I'm, I'm very confrontational when I attack someone, and I don't leave prisoners. So maybe when I started going after Pinker, he was turned off. But the point is, the Nobel Foundation invited me. I presented my case, everything. I wrote so far two scientific papers on the subject. He has written none, and presented it. And there was a bunch of academics, and he did not show up to. And have explain. you read his latest book? His uh, I have not uh, read his Are latest you going book. To treat I would comment. On, on, on the previous book. and, and But I'm used to, if someone bullshits me once, you know, say, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. So I don't know if I'm going to go to the second book. And I'm not commenting on the second book. But I will accept to say one thing, that science is not scientism. Okay? What's the difference? Uh, huge. Scientism is, for example, uh, let me give you the difference. Is it more scientific to uh, do brain surgery for someone who has a headache or to give them uh, a glass of water and some tea and say, let's see what happens tomorrow? What's more scientific? Okay. Brain surgery? On the whole. Okay, scientism is to make brain surgery look more, appear more, more advanced. And, and so that's what I mean. And then the other one is rationalism is not rational. Rationalism is using narrowly defined definition and, and rational is something that is uh, deeper. A distrust of experts informs 
I think the way that you, you go with not, things. Not all experts. Not all. No, it's yes, fair. Exactly. Enough, as you say, those who you class of class of experts back. who are not are not checked by any uh, uh, rigorous metric. Right, but then we would disagree on what that can be. And I'm thinking of a famous quote in the Brexit referendum when uh, Michael Gove on the Leave side of the argument, politician here on the Leave side, said, we've had enough of experts. Well, the heavens kind of opened because what everyone who considered themselves an expert believed themselves attacked. But at the same point, I think, he, you know, he was trying to make was expertise is one thing, how people feel is another. The potential dangers of that are that you simply pick and choose and you disregard warnings from experts which might well, well have okay, been in your uh, interest. Let me tell you, How do you know the difference? Okay, let me tell you. I wrote The Black Swan as a tirade against pseudo-experts. And I will tell you that historically we have had a continuous movement against pseudo-experts from the medical experts who were charlatans at the time. And if you look at it, people who call themselves experts and take positional expertise historically outside the what I could techne. There's techne and then there's something called episteme, all right, the episteme. Um, outside the heuristic world of engineering and, and you know, the, the techne, um, there have been a lot of bullshitters, all right? And, and, and in my uh, later book, you see, these books are but, part of a... Let me finish. Uh, it's part of a collection called Inserto, which is an investigation decision-making under opacity and uncertainty. And then there's a volume, a penultimate volume for this, was on the Soviet Harvard delusion. Okay, by, by showing that, again, your, your baker would be an expert at baking, but your uh, microeconomist doesn't flow that an expert in one domain, uh, that having, proving expertise in one domain by some people can translate to, to another. And macroeconomists and po political so-called scientists have not proven any expertise so far. Do you think, for instance, we're sitting in front of a big board here in our studio, it says The Economist. Yes. So I suppose the clue's in the name. Uh, and you're sitting opposite a a journalist. I get the feeling that journalists and economists come quite high up your list some, of distrusted some, some. groups. No, no, some. I mean, you have to uh, realize that I'm writing, I write the newspapers uh, that express opinions and I'm writing uh, and I write books which is in the same profession as journalists, theoretically. But, but what I keep saying, I like journalism to be a check on power, not to become a tool of propaganda. And unfortunately, because of monoculture, because of monoculture, because when you don't have skin in the game, you tend to have monoculture because there's some skin in some game that appears. Because of monoculture, I've noticed journalists to cluster to opinions, and they should not cluster. We've lost that diversity of opinions. This is where skin in the game plays a role, you see. Skin in the game is when you take risk for your opinion. And an opinion for me, the value of an opinion is higher when someone has taken risk for it. So me risking my reputation by tangling with you, is that is that good enough? No, mean, no, no, no. Why no. not? Well, you're taking some risk, I would say, because if, if it, uh, <laughs> uh, you're taking some risk uh, thanks to the internet and social media and thanks to uh, a few developments in, in journalism, but you haven't taken a lot of risk. Let's put it this way, because you you would take uh, some risk if you were to clip the interview to remove my some of my answers, of course, but you won't well, that, do that. That would be wrong. That no, would no, be, that would be that wrong. Would be but you're not, you know, you're, you're morally calibrated today because you're questioning me I have skin in the game, and I defend my opinion. You're questioning me, and, and like that, you see. But uh, but I would like you to do the same with uh, Paul Krugman when he shows up, all right? Paul Krugman, or indeed any other Krugmanites out there, do feel free to get in touch on, on Twitter and, and tell us what you think about, about that exchange. Let's see, I just have to ask, if your book gets 
everything wrong or a large part of things wrong? Or would you, you know, would you be able to see the difference? Isn't there a problem with the skin in the game argument is that you, we have to sort of agree what we think the parameters of being wrong and yes, right yes. are? I mean, and I have, how would you know? Okay. I, I mean, I uh, kept looking for wrong uh, extensions of my idea. Thanks to social media where I put my idea on social media and my enemies First, are first to react, my friends are second to react, and I discover mistakes in my own reasoning, and I correct them. So I've been discovering mistakes and, and correcting them, and one of them, for example, is with uh, jurors. Should jurors have skin in the game? Of course not. But then how? Well, then what's the difference? Ah, jurors are anonymous, and they do it once, and there's no monoculture. Whereas a journalist is, they have monoculture and they're not anonymous, except that the economist, of course. Well, there you go. The best of all possible worlds. Can we agree on that? Conditional on having your editor calibrated, right? Because at the end, she's selecting among the articles. I'm off to calibrate my editor. Uh, Nassim Taleb, thank you very much for joining us with your skin in the game. Well, what do you think? Should personal stakes be higher for those charged with deciding our futures? How so? Do get in touch via email radio at economist.com and on Twitter at Economist Radio. We'll be talking to the thinker Stephen Pinker in an upcoming Economist Asks. In response to Taleb's claims in this interview, Stephen Pinker has sent us a blog post from September last year and also a presentation by his collaborator Michael Spargat, which he says replied to Taleb's criticisms. We'll hear from Stephen Pinker on this show soon. In London, this is The Economist. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.